Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. All right. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome. It is your Weekend Managing Madrid podcast. Your host, Gabe Lesser. I'm back. Um, and uh, joining me today is uh, Omar Vin. So, Om, no key on today. I'm pretty lazy. Yeah, no Keon, no club, no club football. It's it's gonna be. We always say this, but this time it's gonna be a really short. Podcast. I don't know how it's we're just, gonna do even yeah. half an hour of content. Today. <laughs> it's, there's just not a lot to talk about. All right, yeah. So it's the international break. I'm gonna do some housekeeping stuff. Once again, if you're interested um, in you're in some sort of graphic design, if, th- if that's your passion, if um, if you're an artist, uh, send us in um, some you know things that we might want to consider podcast specific art T-shirt stuff um, because we're gonna we're gonna make managing Madrid podcast T-shirts that we're gonna we're gonna sell and if you send us one that we like your design, we'll send you a free T-shirt with your design on it. Um, uh, so yeah, that's you can send that to uh, managingmadrid at gmail dot com. Um, you can also DM that to me, Keon or Ohm. Um, there's uh, other housekeeping stuff that I am now forgetting that I wanted to say, but I will say it at the end if I remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great, bad. Great man. start to the podcast. It's really good. It's the international break. No one is. I mean, like, what do you? I mean, I have not watched a. I have not watched a soccer game since. Uh, I didn't watch a single minute of this international break, and I don't plan to. <laughs> That's sort of where I am. Like, this has been I I've followed right. So we have what I've been following is the just slew of Real Madrid injuries that have come out of this um, out of this international break. I mean, Gareth Bale obviously not playing uh, for Wales. Uh, I mean, we have Varane now questionable for El Clasico. I mean, like this is just a whole, just a whole series of unpleasantness. And the international break sucks. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, the only international break game I've had time to watch was one was the Italy Poland game today, and that one didn't even have Real Madrid players. I watched it <laughs> because I needed to do an article for Between the Posts on that. But yeah, I mean. We can just quickly run through the results. I think the first relevant game was on the 15th. Um, oh, sorry, not on the 15th. That's the game Spain and England are going to play tomorrow. The first relevant game was Wayne, Wales versus Spain, sorry, where Spain won 4-1. I think that's the game you're talking about that Bale did not play in. Yeah. Then there was France-Iceland 2-2. Again, the, the, the game you're talking about with Varane. Yeah. Um, Belgium-Switzerland 2-1. 
Courtois was the one who played that. I mean, I don't know. There would have been that much to talk about, even if we did watch that game. <laughs> Croatia versus England, I did hear about. It was nil-nil. Um, it was it was a tight game. I do know England went out with a high press this time, you know, trying to exact some revenge over their losses to the World Cup. And basically the gist is that Croatia you know, haven't looked good since the World Cup final, which doesn't surprise me because no, yeah. all their players are completely gassed. And I wasn't too pleased to hear that Modric was in the starting 11 because that man really needs his rest. But there we are. Then we have South Korea, Uruguay 2-1. Valverde didn't play, so nothing to talk about there. Netherlands versus Germany. Germany actually lost. 3 nothing. That That's the one that I heard about. Um it, the Germans look terrible. They haven't scored in their last three games. So really, uh, doing pulling a Real Madrid, if you will. Uh, they look they've looked terrible, and it's just continuing their poor form from the World Cup. And uh, it, it's just more evidence that Low probably needs to go. Yeah, I don't know how. He's still, I mean, I don't know any other national team where he'd still have the job. I mean, maybe Spain with Del Bosque having it for so long, but he did win like three three. Or what? Two two international trophies in a row. So yeah. I don't know. Um, Saudi Arabia lost to Brazil nil two. That feels like it was fairly standard. I mean, Casemiro generally puts in a solid performance for Brazil. He's he's one of their key players. Um, so I'd be surprised if like there were any serious complications there. Mexico versus Costa Rica looked like an interesting game. Mexico won three goals to two. Um, and Keller Navas started that one, so probably, it probably would have been a good watch, but then again, there wouldn't have been too much to take away um, if we did because we would have just got to see Navas. And then there were a couple under-21 games, Albania versus Spain. Um, Spain won 1-0. Vallejo didn't play, so not important. And then Chile under-20s versus Brazil under-20s one And I saw Vinicius assist Rodrigo you know I saw that clip flying around so it looks like they they had good fun and and, and they made an an impressive mark on the game so that that was nice to see yeah Vinicius tweeted after that match a picture of him and Rodrigo uh embracing and so that was pretty dope absolute kings very very excited can't wait for them to 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 come play together at Real Madrid they they really are the next generation they 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 both look really good dude (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice already that they have this, like, really cool friendship. Like, yeah, like you said, I can't wait to see them play. I can't wait to see their chemistry yeah. on the pitch, like, five, six years from now when they're entering their prime. Like, there's some good stuff to look forward to in the future. I mean, it, it feels all, all gloom and doom now, but I there is some good stuff in the future to look forward yeah, to. And there these really is. two are the reason for it. There really is. Um some more kind of heavier stuff. Um, I don't have anything else to say about these matches other than that I, it's kind of funny that Germany has been so bad. Uh, after the Germany-Holland match, Tony Kroos made a comment about how while he likes to play deep, he isn't Casemiro, which I think some people have taken as a kind of a, a shot at Lopetegui. That is interesting. Uh, it is interesting. I was I was interested in what you what you thought like was going on there. I mean I I I mean I don't know if there's more to the quote. If there isn't, I don't see how there's a shot at Lopetegui if Kroos played deep for Germany. Is that why he said it? I'm not sure. I I sort of assumed he definitely does play deep for Germany, um, and and we saw that more at the World Cup where he played in that very very 
uh, more like a Chubby Alonso almost role. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that doesn't surprise me, him saying that, because, I mean, we've seen for a couple seasons now, Kroos just doesn't have the greatest motivation when tracking back, and, you know, we've seen him jogging on a bunch of counterattacks. Like, I mean, once you get used to someone like Casemiro doing a lot of the dirty work for you, it's... I mean, you just get used to it, right? Like, you don't yeah. want to go back to it. So it doesn't surprise me that much. No. Um, and let's see. And uh, I was just, yeah, I, I've got my notes, the things that I wanted to bring up. The Vinicius stuff, obviously. I mean, he looked he looks great. He's exciting. Rodrigo looks great. I'm glad that they're both doing so well. Um, and they're developing that chemistry for the, for the U20s in Brazil. I'm, and I'm glad that Madrid has kind of got a, you know, a strong foot in the door with these uh, younger Brazilian stars. They're going to be the next generation of Brazilian stars coming out of coming out of the country and out of these famously talented youth academies. And I think it was the right thing to do to grab both of them. So, uh, and, you know, <laughs> it's, they're both really good. Vinicius on that goal, I mean, he just owned, I mean, he, he really, the he just seems to have, is beyond the level f- by far of these U20 teams. So the real question is like, you know, what, how, how, how much faster can he improve to get to a place where he's doing what he did against the U20s uh, against La Liga teams? And there is still a, 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 a talent gap. Um, and he needs to, he needs to address like, you know, train and work hard to, to, to bring himself up to that level. But he definitely, if he can do what he's doing at the U20 level, at the La Liga level, then he is he's in very good position to be one of the best players in the world, I think. Um, so there is one other piece of Real Madrid news. Um, it's a little more somber, obviously related to the Ronaldo stuff. Um, but before that, I just want to mention that uh, we're recording, you know, in the process of recording a big Let's Hooks football special on the Ronaldo stuff Um and uh, so you can hear that. We're going to probably release that tomorrow. Um, and I, I imagine some chunk of you will be interested in hearing that. Um, but it, the, what we have specifically for this podcast today is apparently Real Madrid is suing a Portuguese tabloid uh, that released uh, a report saying that Madrid knew about the Ronaldo uh, the sexual assault accusation in 2009. Is that correct? And then... Uh, mm-hmm. encourage Ronaldo to settle it then. Yeah, and this is obviously a serious accusation. And, you know, well, I, 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 I think there's reason to, to think this is BS, mainly because, one, Real Madrid has sued immediately. Like, they didn't let it, you know, wait around and, and, and collect, like, attract attention all of that they just sued immediately and also because i i just find it really hard to understand how real madrid would have known about this right like if you've gone through the details you've read all the your speed reports i mean it was there were only very few people who knew what had happened at all and even fewer that knew about the whole settlement thing and because this happened you know, before Ronaldo, like, officially was presented in the Bernabeu, you know, it, it was over the summer. I just don't see how Real Madrid would have known. I mean, I don't see why Ronaldo would have wanted to tell his new club that this thing had happened either. Yeah, I, um, I also so, think I mean, that this has the effect of, of 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 being one of a piece of evidence to kind of uh, 
take away responsibility from Ronaldo. So, for example, if Real Madrid did know about it and then said the only way we're going to sign you is if you get a settlement agreement with an NDA, uh, then Ronaldo would feel pressured to do it. And maybe he, uh, if he didn't feel that pressure, maybe he wouldn't have settled and would have fought. And like, I just feel like if you're a Portuguese tabloid, you have an interest in protecting Ronaldo's legacy. Uh, and by blaming at least his legacy as, as a player and by blaming the club for the settlement, right. And essentially passing that, that blame off to, to Madrid uh, like this. I think that that is a very clear and obvious thing that they might want to try to do. And I like, so that's, that's just another data point in favor of yeah. this being unlikely. And to be clear, the, the, the tabloids argument is specific argument is that they're saying that Ronaldo's defense will say that Real forced him to settle. So like, I mean, what, to what you're saying that just supports it even more. And I don't know, I just find it hard to believe. I think there's a lot of, a lot of this story that, that looks very credible. The Deer Spiegel reporting looks extremely solid, but you know, to this, this, this doesn't seem like any of that, right? It just seems like a shot in the air, like to, like you said, to shift responsibility away from Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. This is nothing like the the actual report, and obviously, this is not um, the same as the actual allegations, which are uh, totally a completely different thing. And um, and and it doesn't even if uh, you know the the tr- trading of blame about the settlement agreement doesn't change the facts of the case at all, right? It just uh, it just changes the question of the settlement itself. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change the facts of the case, which are very much, uh, uh, you know, overwhelming in, in, in a lot of ways. So, uh, it's just about fighting at this point. And, and if that's what the defense is, then whatever, but it's about fighting over whether, uh, who gets to blame for him (laughs) signing this incredibly damning settlement document. And, you know, I mean, the, (laughs) I I tend to agree with you, Ohm, that there's essentially no... It seems very unlikely to me that Real Madrid knew about it at this point. I think it's possible Real Madrid learned about it later and chose to do nothing, and we'll, have mm-hmm. to, we'll all have to think about how, how we're going to deal with that if that's true. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it does feel to me like this is this is um, <laughs> pushing and, and, and really trying to get, get, get something out of nothing. Like this... It, it's hard to me for me to. I agree. I think it's hard to understand how they would have found out about it, uh, and it's. It also strikes me that he he was the by f- the the best you know, highest transfer price in the world at that point. You can't. You can only imagine that Real Madrid would have said something like, "Well, we're renegotiating this." Given, you know, given mm-hmm. this this negative stuff is out there, that could affect his image and his brand. I mean, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I agree with all of that. I don't have too much more to say. Yeah. Um, and I think I think we move to questions now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and yeah, so just uh, check out the show tomorrow. We have um, Chloe White of the ACLU coming on to talk about sexual violence. We have Jess Howen coming on to talk about her article about this specific case. And we have you, Omar Vin. <laughs> we already recorded a short segment with you talking about your piece um, that you wrote uh on Medium, and it's a really interesting piece. I would encourage everyone to see it. So, just 
just plugging that. Um, and we're going to do your questions now. We've got, what, 15 minutes or so of, of content prior to the questions. So let's do it. Um, let's jump in. We promised you it would be a short show. It's going to be a short show. Um, all right. Adrian Rios asked us, uh, is it concerning that Kroos said, quote, I like playing deeper, but I'm not Casemiro, unquote. It feels like a criticism of Lopetegui's tactics. Oops. I, so I already brought this up, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, well, what do you I, think? I mean, you said it doesn't feel like a direct, I mean, direct yeah, just shot to of Lopetegui. Ex- just to expand on that, I mean, I don't see how it would. Um, I mean, you may be right. Adrian, you just have to like explain your thinking more because Lopetegui pretty soon into the season decided that he was going to play Casemiro as a defensive midfielder, not Kroos. So, I mean, we did have situations, right, where the two of the past couple of games, Casemiro was subbed off when we needed to go more offensive. So, I mean, maybe that's what you're referring to there, but it's pretty clear that like the standard 11 is going to have Kroos as, as the deepest defensive midfielder and not, or sorry, Casemiro as the deepest defensive midfielder and not Kroos. So I, I don't see how it yeah. could be a criticism of Lopetegui. And I think it's more likely that it's a criticism of the way the German national team is playing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he feels perhaps more open at Madrid and more of, you know, able to, to play higher. And if you looked at the World Cup, he was playing, I mean, there were games where he was playing this Modric role, like being an ersatz center defender, like playing so far back that he was playing between the the center backs occasionally. And you know, that's that's really not how he plays at Real Madrid. We complain about him maybe playing too deep sometimes, but that's nothing like the way he played for like when he played for the, for the World Cup team. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and when he's talking about playing deeper, um, I assume he's talking about defensive duties here because Kroos, Kroos is used to, like, controlling play from deep, right? Um, yeah. I mean, with, with Lobotegi, he's actually playing higher than he did with Zidane, not by a whole lot, but but a little higher because Casemiro is actually playing as a defensive midfielder in possession and not as a number 10. Um, <laughs> so, I I mean, I don't think there's any way to criticism of Lobotegi's tactics. Yeah. Um, all right. So, next question. Um, Shay Hatiri asks us, um, and just to remind everyone, if you uh, toss us a couple dollars a month, you can get access to our midweek VIP uh, patron shows. Uh, it's three dollars a month. For five dollars a month, um, we will answer your question on every show. That's we guarantee it. I know I made jokes about uh, sending us like math problems, <laughs> uh, and we'll do our best to do to answer those if you if you actually want that to be your question. But I. And Shay jokingly, I assume, sent us one, but <laughs> but I assume his actual question is the following. Um, I think, uh, he says, I have a hypothesis, and I'd love if you could discuss it. He says, I think one of the problems we have as a team is that we have a saturated starting lineup. Everybody has won everything in club competition. Nobody has anything to prove. I'm not saying that they're not giving it their best. I'm just saying that they are not... Uh, willing to take that extra mile or that extra 1.7 kilometers for Keon. <laughs> Do you think the answer to our problems could be trusting our young players more instead of relying on the older ones? I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, it's really hard to tell, though. Because um, on the one hand, we have serial winners in the squad, like Sergio Ramos, Marcelo... Modric, Kroos, you know, sure, they, they're they used to winning, but they're used to winning because they want it so, so badly. Um, 
it's it's possible, right? Like that if you have a squad that's never injected with new blood, that like they get complacent. But I think that has less to do with getting used to winning and more getting used to having like an undisputed place in the side. So take Carvajal as a prime example, right? I don't think he ever got tired of winning. It's that he got complacent because there were periods where he didn't have real competition for his spot. And so I think that's why, you know, signing new players, obviously just beyond needing new players to fill needs, but like signing youngsters as your guys get older is always a good idea because it pushes you, in the case of Carvajal, quality backups like Odrio Zola, will raise his form and, and what we thought would be a quality backup in Danilo raised Carvajal's form. So I think in that sense, yeah. you could trust younger players. Um, but obviously it's difficult, especially in the Real Madrid environment, to just you know play them all at once when we need to win and we need to win now. It's more of like a gradual introduction. Yeah. Um, and so I think I actually am, am very, I'm, I'm very open to this theory because I grew up sort of with, um, some some there being a consensus in sports writing and, and analysis that um, there's this thing that I think I don't remember who exactly coined I think it's maybe a basketball tournament thing but anyways regardless it's just the, the, this this concept called the the disease of more and the the issue is you can get lots of incredibly talented people in the room together uh, and in, on a team together, and they, if they win one championship, then suddenly after that, everyone on the championship team deserve, believes that they deserve more. They believe that they have, should have more playing time. They should have more money. They should have all these things, right? And it's very hard to keep a championship team together because of that exact feeling. Um, Real Madrid obviously has won three championships in a row, so it's clear to me that on some level that they've been able to navigate around that problem. Uh, but this might be the year where finally, like everyone who's been, you know, maybe on these last few championship champions league teams, uh, feels like maybe they deserve a little bit more than they're getting or that they just aren't quite as motivated because they feel like maybe they deserve a raise or, or whatever. Uh, and this is the year that you begin to see some of this stuff become unglued, and I think that's par- possible. I was saying the same stuff about this last year, though, and then they they it didn't. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I honestly think this sort of happened after 2016-17, right? Yeah. Because while we still went and won the Champions League, Morata wanted more minutes, and you know he didn't get what he thought he deserved, and he left, and Hamas probably deserved more minutes he didn't get it and and he left and these two were part of a champions championship winning team not just in the champions league in La, but in la league i think hamas was less crucial simply because he played a lot less but obviously morata was a huge loss right like he provided us so much off the bench and then you have kovacic as well he yeah, went I to mean, chelsea because he's unhappy with 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 the role he's had at real madrid and he saw himself himself as crucial to a lot of a lot of our victories leading up to our three Champions League in the league. So, yeah, I think I think to an extent you are right, and that it has happened. But as for the players we have now, I think everyone in the club, it's not an issue of wanting to win. I think there's a bunch of other stuff which Kian and I have have talked yeah. about over and over again, and you as well, Gabe. <laughs> But yeah, this is an interesting. This is an interesting question. It is, and it's a, it's a question we have to. We I think we'll have pop up more. Uh, I 
I tend to think that there is going to need to be a, a sort of transition year. Now, whether this itself is the transition year is anybody's guess, uh, but there needs to be a transition year where you just sort of bring along and accept that maybe there are going to be some bumps that you try to bring along these young youngsters a little bit more. And we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing obviously Ceballos getting more run. Um, I think that if Kovacic had stayed, that we would have seen him getting more run. Um, but, you know, it's not quite to the level of let's just start only the youngsters every game. Like, you know, if if there is still a, a sort of onto the gala, like this this team hasn't changed that much. <laughs> uh, and so if you if you want to win a game, I think you still try to basically roll out your Champions League winning 11, right? And not not mm-hmm. worry too much and not not overthink this stuff because these guys are actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know. <laughs> In case you were wondering. <laughs> I mean, it, it it is actually as simple as that. I mean, like I understand the 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 gut feeling that you want to get you want to make changes, but I also feel like maybe what's what's happening is that Madrid are uh just kind of suffering from a little bit of bad luck, which is possible. And then also they're suffering from needing to find an identity after losing their all-time highest goal scorer, which I think is understandable. Um, and I, I, what I mean by that is I think it's just less about motivation and more about um, about the things that I mentioned. Um, Sajid Riyaz um, asks us uh, about an antidote for stationary bus drivers. <laughs> Uh, are you driving a bus if it's stationary? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> we are all too f- <laughs> we are all too familiar with teams that park the bus. We've seen mediocre teams in the World Cup do this against big teams, and we've also seen many teams do this against us and have success in doing so. By all evidence, it seems like playing against a small team that parks the bus is a lot harder than playing big teams that play football. It almost feels like an unfair disadvantage for a team that's trying to play football, and even the greatest attack on earth would struggle to break down a team that just puts 10 men behind the ball. So my question is, should the football governing body intervene to introduce new laws to reduce slash discourage teams from parking the bus, similar to the away goals rule? At the top of my head, I can think about restricting the number of players in your own penalty box. What can we do to end this plague? Uh, nothing. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, not that we can't do anything. We should do nothing. Yeah. First of all, I, I don't think the away goals is stupid. I mean, that's a totally different discussion. I don't know how you feel about that, Gabe, but I just feel like I need to get that out there. Um, I know there's a lot of disagreement about that. So tweet hate at me at omvrving on Twitter. <laughs> but make sure, to, <laughs> make sure to follow me before you do that. Um. So yeah. <laughs> Back to the back to the main point. Um, no, I don't think it should be done. One, I, I just want to contend that it's more difficult to play a big team that that quote unquote plays football as opposed to a small team that parks the bus. I mean, I, it can feel that way sometimes. We've seen with Real Madrid, it seems like especially Zidane was better at building reactive systems that that when we 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 sat back and countered, like we just looked better. Um, I think that is certainly true, but if you just look at the percentage of of the the win percentage versus so-called big teams and so-called small teams, I mean, it just puts a debate to bed. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're playing a Champions League final, would you rather play Huesca or would you rather play Barcelona? I mean, no offense to Huesca, but I mean, right? So it's not harder. It's just that I think it can be easier to it can be easier to fashion chances against um, if if you if you're playing a counterattacking style against against a big team. But in general, right, it's much much harder to beat a Barcelona than it is candidate that parks a bus so as to, so as to what the team should as to what regulating bodies should do they shouldn't do anything because parking the bus is often a consequence of not having the quality of players to quote unquote play football right and i mean the objective of the game is to score more than the other person yeah. like there is no one way to play football there's disagreements about aesthetics i mean I personally like watching a quote-unquote uh, positional player team or a Guardiola team play more than I enjoy other teams, but I appreciate just as much what Diego Simeone does with Atletico Madrid. It's yeah. a way of leveling the playing field, right? Yeah, and like this this is a – it's not just a problem of modern football or problem, quote-unquote, but I mean this is a – I mean, one of the great tactical innovations was the notion of of a defense heavy lineup, right? And and a a system that puts people behind the ball and says, instead of trying to win every game six to five, we're going to try to win a game one to nothing or or two to one or whatever, right? Uh, and that was, you know, we call we call the original iteration of some of this stuff Catenaccio, and that's I mean. It is in this, you know, and a truly great defensive team uh, is also playing incredibly good football. I mean, this is there. These are not uh, in my mind. These are not things that can be separated <laughs> because when you're when, if you look at that, it, I think one of the, the great defensive teams that that I remember watching very vividly is that 2006 Italian team with um, Cannavaro playing one of the great mm-hmm one of the great tournaments of, of my lifetime where he led that incredibly high, incredibly strong Italian defense, uh, didn't get a single yellow cup, the entire world cup. People don't talk about that. Uh, and that was a team that still scored a fair amount, but what they did was suffocated other teams. And so I suppose what, what, what we call parking the bus, I guess, isn't just defensive. It's also a, a notion of putting everybody in the final third, but I mean, against teams that what they want to do is possess the ball high up the pitch. Like so, you would see teams quote unquote parking the bus against that Spain side in 2010. But they were parking the bus against that Spain side because they really couldn't get the ball. And the best way to to beat a team that where you can't get the ball off of them is to make them get stretched out, try to take the ball off them, and then launch a really quick counterattack. They. They're, the the style of play is a direct response to the style of play of the other team. So if you're of a team that has 90% pos- or 80% possession, then the other team is likely going to have to play uh, very deep in their own half. It's just, I just yeah, don't, I, I mean. I mean, also like if you were to, let's say we make changes, right? Like you say there can only be two players in the box at the time. I mean, first of all, like, that's going to make it so incredibly easy to score. Like, yeah. I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense in that sense. And also, if you create these rules that, that make it easier to attack, 
you're going to favor the richer teams. I mean, this this game is already vastly imbalanced towards like 10 teams in world football at best. I mean, you're just going to make it worse, right? Because you have the rich teams who will buy all the great attacking talents. They don't have to waste their money on defenders anymore. And they can just dominate you. And I mean, I'm not sure watching 12 goals a game is as fun as, as we think it would be. Um, it takes I would away, it. It's like... It takes away one of the spe- the specialness of the goal if you're seeing ten of them a game. I mean, like we we joke about this, but this is actually a thought that like some of the dumb Americans that talk about how they <laughs> how we need to fix soccer have said they oh well what we really need to do is make it so that you can score easier and and their ideas were like we need to get rid of the offsides rule which is incredibly stupid we need to do all this stuff and this oh, is one of the ones nice. that I've heard before. Yeah, I mean. Getting rid of the offside rule would ruin so much about like <laughs> tactics. I mean, it, it is like the backbone of of defensive tactical systems. Whether that's a high press, a medium block, or a deep block, like the offside rule is is precious, and I don't see any reason to get rid of it. Um, I mean, there's a lot <laughs> I change about this game. Offside rule definitely not one of them, and this rule where teams can't park with us is another one that I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I mean. It, I mean, if you want to, if if you if you're mad about teams parking bus, then just break the bus down better. That's yeah, on be you. better at it. And you know, <laughs> I mean, the the only sport that I know of that has anything remotely like this idea is basketball. And basketball has a three in the key rule, but basketball also. Um, you know, that's that's on a per person timed basis that basketball is also very fewer people, but the size of the court is wildly smaller. I mean, and the key itself is tiny, whereas like the goal area is basically the entire last third of the pitch. I mean, obviously, without not counting the wings, but like it is a huge chunk of square footage in the middle of the pitch to restrict people from going into. And you know, I'm not even sure you would get to a situation where people would quote unquote park the bus, right? Like they would just line up in a in a in a more medium block than in a than in a deeper block. And like, I mean, is that really any wildly different? I'm not sure. I just it's this is you yeah, get sorry. people parking the bus, but you would the bus just would be parked slightly higher up the pitch. Yeah, sorry, Saji. I I'm in. I'm in heavy disagreeing with your idea here, but yeah, but, but interesting, interesting myself. thoughts. It's an interesting thought, an interesting question. Um, but I think that what really Madrid should do is just be better at breaking down the bus. I mean, it's not. It's not even that complicated an idea, I don't think. So, uh, all right, guys. Sorry about the short show. We don't, I mean, there's just not that much to talk about. Um, keep your eyes on Managing Madrid. We've got a ton of stuff coming up. Um, we have, I mean, obviously, articles from, from all of our normal people. We have, um, I mean, I'm particularly excited for Jess's article that she's writing on on this one. All this stuff, I'm also excited for... Uh, 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 for you know, doing my own my own first article back, I haven't decided what I'm going to write on. But um, and Om, do you have any anything you want to plug? I know you're writing something from for uh, between the posts. Um, yeah, I mean, I if you want to read about the Poland Italy UEFA Nations League encounter that happened today, <laughs> it was actually a fairly interesting game, even though the scoreline doesn't tell you that. You go between the post.net. It should be up sometime tomorrow. Um, and then also the YouTube channel that Kian and I are starting with former Madrid um, staffer, Nagib. 
Um, the video, we had some technical issues, so the video would most likely be out Wednesday instead of we- this weekend as we planned. But I put a teaser up on School of Madrid social media on Twitter. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss miss the first video when it drops. Everyone so check that out. It's pretty dope. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so yeah, everyone should check out School of uh, Real Madrid. and um, It's at School of Madrid on Twitter. And you guys have a Facebook page. And I imagine, um, obviously, the YouTube account. Uh, so yeah. All right. Om, thank you so much for coming on. Let's uh, We'll talk to you maybe midweek, maybe next week. Um, can't wait for this goddamn international break to be over. All right. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sports Social Podcast Network.